0: You're listening to 2, 5, and 10,
1: your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights.
0: Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart.
2: Girls gathered in their masses, just like witches at black masses, evil minds that plot destruction.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 107 of 2, 5, and 10. We got a good one here for you, ladies and gentlemen. A whole bunch of drama this past week in the NHL, and now looking forward to a playoff preview. Benny, what up? We got a big game tonight as we're recording. The
1: Avs are just about ready for puck drop, playing the Kings. If Colorado wins, they get the number one seed and the President's Trophy out west. If they lose, Vegas wins their division and the president's trophy and colorado ends up playing minnesota in the first round so the last game of the year that actually matters no offense to vancouver and calgary rats i had that one on the docket tonight but if it's <laughs> only the vegas one i'll have to watch that so yeah playoffs right around the corner game one starts at least game one for your boys are on saturday so not too much time to turn things around and got a bunch of eichel talk and uh I think did anything happen with the Rangers in the last week? Uh, I don't know. New York's a big place. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's start with let's start up north with the uh, state, in the state of New York, but with Buffalo, with Eichel, uh, basically coming out and indirectly not requesting a trade, but basically saying like I don't trust you guys anymore. I want basically I want out. Like there's nothing you can do that's going to fix this relationship, so you might as well move me. Essentially, is what I took from that
0: statement. Poor, poor Kevin Adams, man. Um, this guy comes in last year at the beginning of the well, this year at the beginning of the year, trying to make amends in a sense to the people of Buffalo, and it seems like everything that has happened this year has been complete 180. The star center of the franchise wants out. This is a dark time for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I know you still have a couple of guys there. You, you got Dalim and things like that, but just knowing that your star player comes out in the media, the media and he says, wherever I'm playing next year, doesn't say yeah. I want to stay in Buffalo, whatever happens, wherever I'm playing next year. And it it makes no interest as if it's the city of Buffalo at this point I, I don't think you can blame Michael. The turnaround around between coaches, GMs, the whole time he's been there, I think he's only had a head coach Max for 2 years. They're they're constantly jumping around on him. GMs have been the same way. It, it's a tough time. I'm assuming the kid definitely wants to make to the dance. He think he wants to make to the NHL playoffs and I I do believe that he will be dealt in this off season.
1: So the one thing that did come out after the fact and I'm sure this is the Sabres realizing that hey we're losing the PR battle here so they released through sources that the disconnect between the team and Eichel is because Eichel wants to have a surgery on his the disc in his back that's never been done before on a hockey player and the sabers are saying our doctors and other specialists are saying all you need to do is rehab it without surgery and it should be okay, and he doesn't want to do that, and because he doesn't want to do that, he says that he doesn't have a say over his own body anymore, and he doesn't trust the Sabres. I can kind of see Buffalo's point of view. Like They got $50 million invested in you, pretty much almost guaranteed. I know insurance might cover some of that if he was out long-term, but to be this pissy over a team, like, yo, we don't want to have you take this exploratory surgery and be the guinea pig for this thing.
0: And that's an understandable thing, but at the same time, if this has been the nagging injury that Jack Eichel has had now for the past three seasons, something's got to give here. I mean, I'm not going to assume that in the offseason he's not rehabbing his back for the past three years. Like, if you're having the same injury consistently throughout, I think you do have to go a different option. you got to go a different route. If the other stuff's not working, you got to do something. Yeah, I'm kind of the mindset of, I,
1: if I'm Buffalo, I wouldn't approve him to have that surgery either. But if I'm Buffalo, I know he's going to want that surgery. I just don't want to be the organization that has to deal with the possible side effects of it. So we're not going to pay you $50 million to be our guinea pig, but we'll move you to somebody else as long as you get a good enough return. He, has a no, he doesn't have a no movement clause. They can trade him anywhere they want, um, Eichel has no say in it, so he doesn't have that much leverage. Uh, everybody says the Rangers. The Rangers are not going anywhere near that if Jury's actually in charge and it's not Dolan pulling the strings here. Um, they're not going to put $50 million on the table for Eichel coming off of this type of back surgery when they have Sibana up for an extension, Fox up for an extension, Chesterkin up for an extension. Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, do... So taking the Rangers out in a mix, where would you see him go? And first of all, I think he also he just doesn't want to play in Buffalo, man. Like no offense, but if you're winning, like when Jury and Brea were there, Buffalo's fine. But if you're losing year in and year out for the first what, five years, six years of your career, Buffalo sucks.
0: You know? Buffalo's <laughs> so you a dark get the plug place. out of there, man. No, um, the only team that I can actually see making a run at him right now would have to be the Kings, just with the amount Mm -hmm. of prospects that they have built up. Um, You know, they got Jeff Carter off the books. so They definitely have some cap space there that they can utilize. I just don't know. Like now I have a question for you is obviously Jack Eichel is a talent. He's a very talented hockey player. But now going a step further with everything that has gone on here and how the past couple of years have been, obviously you'd say new face in a new place, he's going to flourish. But yeah. do you think people are kind of looking at him too, as damaged goods? Like almost the way that people have looked at Taylor Hall in the sense of he's a cancer in the dressing room, certain things that are just relatable to him. Do, do you think he, he's tarnished a little bit or, or what do you think? I do think his reputation's
1: taken a hit just because of all the losing. He's a leadership role and a voice in a room. So, fair or not, that type of intangible aspect of it is going to be a knock against him. Um, just like it was with Kovalchuk for all those years in Atlanta, where they're like, no, no team can win with him until he was on a team that won with him. Um, so, I think it's kind of unfair to put that on Eichel. But to be honest, like you highlighted earlier, Coaches come and go, GMs come and go, teammates come and go, Jack's still there. And the results don't change. So, do I think he's a top 10 center in the league? Yes. Do I think he's a franchise center? No. Okay. I think, he, I think he's... You have McDavid and McKinnon and those guys. I think Barkoff kind of nudged his way into that top tier conversation. I think he's below them. I think he's in uh, um, the Mika Sabanajad level. Like, you can win with that guy. He's extremely talented, but he's not somebody you dictate your whole organization around.
2: Okay.
1: Um, My prediction, if he does get dealt, and I'm pretty sure Buffalo would prefer to send him out west, uh, so it might take a little less in return to send him out there, but... You know our boy, he likes being aggressive. He says he doesn't want to rebuild. He wants to retool. He has two starting caliber goaltenders on the market, Columbus. Interesting, okay. Put him with line A, and then jack up line A's value at the deadline and move
0: him for prospects and picks, and then retool that way too. The the only other one that I could see would would be Calgary. Because Calgary has a lot of guys who have not made it over the hump, like maybe it'll be Jack Eichel for Johnny Hockey and a pick, or maybe one of their prospects. Like I just think Calgary has been rumored as a hotbed in a sense of a team that has not been able to get over the hump, and they have a whole bunch of talent, so maybe they move some of their talent to get talent.
1: I would highlight Ottawa as an option, too, just because of all the prospects and picks they have and the money Mm -hmm. that they have available, but Buffalo's not trading them in the division.
2: No,
0: I I don't think they would trade them in the division either, but I don't want to say in a selfish standpoint, but in a realistic standpoint, I do think Ottawa can offer them a lot. So if if this trade is just coming down to you're trading away your franchise center and you want to get the best return possible... I, I think you need to keep all windows open.
1: Yeah. Uh, Timmy Stutzel for uh,
0: uh, for Eichel. And, and, I mean, I don't think they would trade Stutzel after the year he had, but they still have a whole bunch of picks and prospects in yeah. that area. So who knows? I mean, maybe they start looking to build from the D end out. They already have Daleen, Maybe they go after Jake Sanderson. Like, maybe there's mm. just certain players that they're looking at. So... By the way, I know this is going to be a nice segue into the Ranger talk.
1: I'm all in on Barkov. I know he's a pending UFA at the end of next season, just like Mika, just like Ryan Strome. Basically, the Rangers would be in a position where their top three centers are free agents at the same time. But I call Florida because there's been rumblings around the league that they're going to probably have to move him this off season, And his value is never going to be higher after the year he had. But he's 25, big-bodied, healthy, fits right in behind Mika. I basically tell him you can have anybody off the, on the roster, like young player-wise, except for Igor and Adam
0: Fox. I mean, that's fair. So, so you'd go Barkov for Lafreniere? If they, if they wanted Lafreniere in a first form,
1: have him. Wow, okay. And Lafreniere came on at the end of the year. Like, I like him. Kako, I'm really worried about. But you got to get to get. If it doesn't hurt a little bit to give up who you're giving up to get the guy, it's not a fair offer. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. We'll save that for our offseason talk. Um, the Rangers had a fairly uh, volatile week. Uh, the whole last time we talked it was about how Tom Wilson is a piece of shit. And then, since then, we've had the rematch against the Capitals and Tom Wilson where there were five fights in the first six minutes of the first period for the first time in NHL history that occurred. Um, Three fights off the opening draw. Brendan Smith kind of jumped Wilson, but then let him square up, which I guess is a cool, but someone like Wilson doesn't deserve the respect of not getting jumped. Uh, Stromer fought in this one. Ryan Strom. Just D. Giuseppe. Yeah. D. Giuseppe. Yeah. Uh, I think a good answer by the Rangers for the guys that they had in a room and available to them, and also I kind of res- I do respect the other guys, not Wilson, but the other guys in Washington, knowing the situation they're in, seeing the guys across the ice, and like, all right, yeah, let's just get this out of the way. And they, you knew they're going to go after Wilson no matter what, but those guys, they give a lot of credit for for just being like, all right, fuck it, let's go, let's get it over with.
0: Yeah, I I thought it was like, a I loved it, like I I, <laughs> I love the response. The other part of it, too, was just all in all, when you looked at it, Washington was more than willing to do it. Like everybody that went, there wasn't, I mean, outside of, like you said, Brennan Smith jumping Wilson, but at the same time, you kind of got to jump that fucking big galoot. That's kind of the only way you get your arms on him. But everyone was willing, everyone wanted to. You start the game, you set a tempo, you have your response. I I loved every second of it, and then after that, I mean, as I talk about a story, starts off with a bang, a bang, a bang, and then another couple of bangs, and then T.J. Oshie ends with the hat trick for his dad. Like, th- this mm-hmm. it was like a full story game, and for the NHL with that TV deal, I'm like, this was the perfect thing to fucking throw out there.
1: Yeah, and it was see, so that looked out that way. And, by the way, I don't know if you watched the entire game, but did you see Rangers rookie Morgan Barron? He's he's a big boy, six four, two twenty five, from Cornell. He challenged Oshie to a fight, I think, in the midway through the second period, and dropped his gloves, and Oshie just skated away. Like Barron's gonna be on the Rangers next year. I like his game, but you gotta know what you. What you're dealing with, man? Like, first of all, his dad just died. Like, leave him the fuck alone. And two, he owes you nothing in this league. Like, why would he drop the gloves with you, kid? <laughs>
0: yeah, like, give him the chance. Um, yeah. What do you think about the Bucinovich crush, check? That that was fucking nasty. Um, it was, was at the ed- Mark Messier at the end of the first period. I saw him skating the same way he did that shift, and I texted you. I was like, Bucinovich is going to bang the next period. Like, <laughs> I, I could just tell that the Russian mindset was off. There, there was something going on. And that I'm, shift... Credit. He's a feisty little fuck. Oh, yeah. No, like, that shift, I see it with him. And that's... Did they say if it broke Mantha's nose or not? Because I'm pretty sure he was already getting black eyes in the penalty box. Like, that yeah, thing was broke perfectly his nose, but placed. I think it cut him open a little bit. Oh, fuck, man. I was like, oh, like That's and that. That's before brutal. that crush
1: check. Chara was going after Bucenevich. Like, for some reason, man, Bucenevich gets under Washington's skin for a guy who's not very
0: physical. Like, he doesn't take shit, but he's not very physical. Yeah, they showed what got Chara upset, so. Uh Buchnevich went by Willie and he gave him this fucking slash right on the wrist. Oh, and poor Char Charo went over to him and basically said, hey, if you want to do it, like, what's been going on, we can do that. But if, like, don't start slashing people, you can tell it's going to be a different game. And he just kind of ignored him and went by, and Willie was chirping him, mm-hmm. and he just ignored him. And then, yeah, I think... D- did you hear the other part of it, too, which I thought was um interesting? They said... Both Alexander Ovechkin and Tom Wilson had texted Panarin after the incident to make sure he was okay and all was well. But there was nothing about either of them texting Buchnevich. So I wonder if he was just butthurt in the sense of, like, you threw my head into the ice. Like, you almost killed Panarin, but you didn't. (laughs) You know, and maybe, maybe he was just upset about that.
1: I will say Buchnevich and Wilson, I've had a thing for about a year and a half now. Um, Bruchnevich actually dropped the gloves with Wilson in Washington last season. Like, in a scrum. Like, Bruchnevich is fucking nuts. Like, yeah, he's one of those guys who is unknowingly strong. Like, he doesn't look strong. He just has, like, dad strength. And he handled himself pretty well against a guy like Tom Wilson last year in the scrum like and if, if it was a square up fight like he would get wrecked but he's n- crazy enough to actually like drop the gloves with a guy like char like that's how like you always want to have a guy on your team for the other team is like is he gonna like take my head off uh,
0: i wonder what was up with char too he was definitely way off his game like the the opening face off when all three guys fought he, he goes over to brendan smith
1: well, Smith knew he wanted to go after Wilson. That's
0: why he didn't go with Charles. No, I, I know that. And it's like, is that the conversation that he's having there? He's like, let's fight. He's like, no, I'm jumping Willie. I'm not going after you. Yeah. And then it carries over to the end of the second period there where during the TV timeout, Z decides he's going to swing around the bench and say whatever it was to Smith and get a misconduct. And it's like, it was a circus.
1: Like, yeah. And then yeah, Chris Rooney uh, getting the... um. 10 misconduct for mimicking what Wilson did in a box in a previous game, like the disjointed walk
0: motion, and then a- he got it. Actually, did <laughs> you see... So, it was after the Strom fight, because that was the last one. I've that, never that seen that this before. Be honest. So, the referee after that fight went over to both coaches and was telling them something. Like, I don't know if he was telling them on listen, all these are staged now, and I'm going to give guys misconducts. I'm sure that's something like that. Or it was just one of those things where he's like, you guys aren't going to have enough fucking guys to play, so l- let's figure this out and figure it out real quick. So yeah. I, I had never seen the refs go over before to each bench after. I'm like, oh, yeah, there, there's most definitely something going on here. Yeah,
1: and I wonder, so it was a really slick move that Quinny did was uh, – he started Georgie Evan goal, who, low-key, he's the guy who punched D'Angelo after that game and started a whole D'Angelo storyline where he got basically told to stay the fuck home. Um, and, I mean, he dislocated his kneecap in the middle of a game earlier this season, popped it back in on the bench, and then went back in. Like, he's a tough boy, so I wonder if Quinn started him, just in case things got really out of control and the goalies went at it.
0: And did we ever get a response after the game from David Quinn as to thoughts and as to what was going on there? So after the
1: rematch or the first
0: one? The rematch. I know it happened after the first one.
1: I think all that he said was, like, I'm proud of how our team handled it, uh, but that wasn't hockey. It's time to move on.
0: Fair enough. Like and now, speaking of moving on with the Rangers, <laughs> I mean – Right before that game, we had both, uh, JT, man. Gordon and JT both fired, and now they're bringing Chris Drury, who is now currently the GM. They did not put an interim; they didn't put an interim tag. They said he's now the president and the GM of the Rangers. As for you guys, I think this is a great pickup in Chris Drury. I mean, he's had shots to go to other places and he's denied interviews he's wanted to be loyal to new york he's wanted to stay in new york and now he has a shot he has the reins fully and completely what do you expect this guy to do and how do you feel about the hiring and what do you think about the coaching staff as to what's going next now that quinn's been relieved of his duties as well yeah so i'm frankly i was
1: stunned that JD John Davidson and Gorton were fired, and apparently they had no idea that that statement was being released until it was released on Twitter. Um, there's a lot of rumors going around about like why they were fired. One of it was about that statement. I doubt that. The more realistic thing was probably Dolan said to fire Quinn, and they didn't, and Gordon didn't want to fire him, and then JD. Defended Gordon, And then it was basically like, all right, well, then I'm going to bring somebody else in. And they were basically let go that way. That's more realistic. I don't know if that is even true. But Drury's been with the team as an assistant GM. He was the GM of the Wolfpack. So he has some familiarity with the rebuild. So a lot of people said, okay, well, the rebuild not going to be completely turned upside down now because Drury has been part of it. It's not like they brought in a completely new guy like Brian Burke to come oversee things. My only concern is, this has been in the works for a while. This wasn't just a surprise hire, uh, firing, and hire, because the Penguins requested permission to speak to Chris Drury for their GM opening, and he turned them down. You don't turn down the GM interview as for a promotion unless you know something might be happening sooner than expected. The other thing that was weird was he Glenn Sather suddenly started coming around. even before the whole Tom Wilson thing he was seen at in the press boxes in the suites uh, apparently according to some of the Rangers beat writers, he was having meetings. he was he sat in on the exit interviews this past week but even before the firings, he was talking to Dolan. And Dolan says he makes no decision without input and guidance from Glenn Sather. So these firings weren't just Dolan being like, oh, fuck, I'm firing these guys. He probably ran it past Glenn, and Sather was like, I'm okay with that. Let's hire Chris. And I don't know if it's because they have faith in Chris, they lost faith in Gorton, which would surprise me, or if it's Glenn Sather wants to be around a little bit more, and Dolan wants to change things up a little bit and get into the playoffs and go for the Stanley Cup ahead of schedule, and they know Chris Drury is just going to say, yes, sir.
0: I, I mean, just one thing about like, Gordon's going to get a job and get a job quick. Like, exactly. Gordon, he's a very capable general manager, just to start. Yeah. Um, He will land on his feet. As for the thing about Chris Drury, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe that's always been their guy as to whatever the goal they have set for him, like setting forward season-wise and this, that, the other thing, maybe he's always reached to attain that goal, so so with that, they have their guy. Now, is Glenn Saylor anything in the organization anymore? Didn't he step down and hand all that over to Gorton? Yeah, he, so
1: he stepped down as GM and promoted Gorton, and he stepped down as president, and he hired JD. But he retained a role as senior hockey advisor to James Dolan. So he just deals with Dolan directly, that's all. Yeah, he basically is still over everybody else in hockey operations, but he's supposed to be just an advisor. So that's why I said, those firings weren't made in a vacuum.
0: No, and I guess another question I have for you is where do you see David Quinn getting another NHL coaching job? That's the thing. So I know
1: I've been kind of ripping him for a while now, but that's just because my expectations for the the Rangers increased, partly because of his coaching to get them through a rebuild in basically three years. I still think they're not anywhere close to contending for a Stanley Cup as currently constructed, but I think he did fairly well. He gets a little too much credit for some things, like the development of Anna Fox. Anna Fox is going to be Anna Fox no matter who the fucking coach was. Um, But then you see guys like Kako come in and Lafreniere come in and Heedle come in and stall in their development. And then you have guys leave the organization who are playing defense for us and thrive. And then you bring in guys from outside the organization and their play plummets. Um, So I think Quinn is the quintessential... Like the Tom Rennie type of guy. He's going to set the tone. He's going to change the environment around the team. If you're going through a rebuild, he'll be a good fit. I still don't think he's a guy who's ever going to win a Stanley Cup because he's not going to last long enough to do so. I see him. Dude, Gorton, like you said, he's going to get a job crazy quick. Why not in San Jose? Wilson goes up to just team president. He comes in and starts that rebuild.
0: Yeah, I mean, if there's a team right now that needs a rebuild at San Jose.
1: (laughs) So, going to the coaching thing. So, I do... The coaching hire will tell me everything I need to know about the direction of the Rangers for the next five years. This is the most important decision the Rangers organization will make in the next five years.
0: And there are some huge names on that market.
1: That's why it's going to tell me where they're going. If they hire Mike Babcock, jury is not in control. The rebuild's over, they're going to start trading young guys for veterans, and it's going to be out the window. All that work, all that patience will be out the window. The other crazy thing is, they keep talking about fucking Mark Messier. Now listen, I'm a big Messier fan, but he has no front office experience. No, coaching, no experience. coaching experience. And he keeps fucking hanging around and getting the ear of Dolan and you know his friend would say there, and I, dude, if they hire Mark Messier as head
0: coach, I'm done. I'm out until he's out. I, I mean, like, what if he came on as an assistant? Would you be okay with that to kind of learn the reins? Or no, no, no. You know
1: why? Because Mark Messier doesn't do assistant anything. No, that's true. That's true. Like he would be in a room. He would start circumventing the head coach seeding doubt just because he's the alpha like that's why he was such a great player player he's the alpha male there's no way he's going to listen to anybody else if he's in that room yeah. so i don't want him anywhere near it like sorry dude like i love you you're a legend but but getting back to the coaching candidates babcock's out there gallant's out there uh Brujo's out there um we have a Dan Balsman is out there. Who else am I forgetting? Like, Richards is out there. Dude, yeah, my boy Richards, man. Ugh. I know not a lot of people might know about him, but Todd Richards, look him up. Winner, pretty much wherever he goes, guys love him. He's coached in every pretty much every fucking level. Like he's with the, he was with the lightning. He's with I think this past year was with the Predators, right? Mm. Uh, if I remember correctly. But everywhere he goes Success follows, and I'm not saying he's the reason why. But when you learn from the the coaches that he's worked with, like you got to bring him in, especially with a team that's built like the Rangers, high end talent and puck moving defensemen. sound familiar, Tampa. So that's why he's at the top of my list. I want nothing to do with Babcock. I would be okay with Gallant and. I don't want any of the other retreads, and if they're going to hire a college coach or a first-time coach, I might as well just have Quinn. So that's why I'm a little nervous. If they if they nail this coaching hire, it'll give me confidence in jury and the next few years with the continued rebuild. If they throw it all out the window, I'm going to be really disappointed. And now, like
0: going into it, it looks like up front, all your guys are coming back. I mean, you got some you got some RFAs. I mean, yeah, outside gonna, of Phil D. Giuseppe's a UFA, but I mean, I'm not going to chalk that up. But it's just like, it, it seems like you guys are kind of set lineup-wise. Do, do you see Drury coming in and doing anything outrageous or kind of... Like, what do you think's his next play?
1: So, if it's if he's going to continue the MO of the Rangers of the last few years, he might make a few moves here or there. He, like, he might be in on a Barkoff because... Shoem's been good for us, but having Shoem as your three C instead of your two C even better. Yeah, uh, that's the only move I can see him really making up front outside of improving the fourth line. Like our fourth line sucks, so if you can bring in a guy like Barkley Goodrow or and Morgan Barron's going to be on there as the left winger, so you bring in a fourth line center like Goodrow or Casey Sizikas, who's a free agent. I like Alex uh, Chieson out of Edmonton for the right side, I like a big body help on a power play. That's kind of where he might tinker. On defense, the Rangers also pretty much set because you have uh, Miller and Lingren on the left side, Truba and Fox on the right side, and then they have a bunch of young prospects like Lindquist and Zach Jones who made his debut, and Matthew Rob- Robertson that's uh, knocking on the door. I could see them bringing in like a Jamie Alexiak type, like another big guy to help with the team toughness who can play your sixty or seventy. But, if they hire a coach like Babcock, or a John Tortorella, who, like, I can't even imagine him coming back for his third tour.
0: That's
1: uh, what I'm saying, Brooksy. Yeah. That goes out the window, and I can see, oh, we need to bring in a torts, the Tortes type of guys. We need to bring in Babcock's type of guys, and then it's starting to blow up the roster a little bit. So...
0: I mean, would you be willing to part ways with with a guy or two on your roster? Like, I'm just looking at it, and it, it looks like you guys have a whole bunch of buyout money coming off the cap and Brendan Smith no. coming off Yeah, you guys got a bunch of money, so.
1: I'm willing to part for the right guy. Like, I'm not willing to part with those guys for someone who's 30 or older. Okay. So you're willing to make a move for a prime guy? Yeah, like, if it's Barkoff, open a vault. Eight. Okay. And uh, ideally, I would love to see the Rangers' top nine format in whatever way with, that includes Panarin, Buchnevich, who's RFA, uh, Kreider, Zabanajad, Lafreniere, and another center. Whether it's Eichel. Which I don't know if they'll go that way, Barkov or someone else. I see them making a move for a TC. that Alright. Anyway, so that's that. And I know for the podcast and for your entertainment you would love to see Messier hired or Babcock hired just to get my reaction, but please, everybody, send positive thoughts to Chris Jury here. <laughs> <laughs> send send intelligent thoughts to Chris Jury because this is next five years hinge on this decision.
0: And one other thing you had brought up is Columbus actually parted ways with John Tortorella as well. Uh, The torts era finally done in Columbus. Good run, man. Good run. Yeah, very good run. I think this year was kind of the writing on the wall as to everything that had happened between the benches of line A, um, Oh my God, the one that they shipped off to Winnipeg. Dubois. Yeah, Dubois. Like, there were so many things that had kind of happened this year. I think that it was finally time to turn the page. As for where Yarmo Kikalainen goes next with Columbus, I mean, Yarmo's a intense guy, like it, the, that little Finn, he he wants an in-your-face kind of guy, I mean I wouldn't be surprised if you see Babcock go there, I, I think those are two personalities that mesh really well and I mean, if he dealt with Torts all those years with the way that he was yeah. running the bench, <laughs> well, at, at what point would Mike Babcock be different, so yeah.
1: Um, the other thing is, actually I lost my train of thought on that, oh yeah he likes Having all the power. Mhm. J D left. They didn't replace him. Zito left. Didn't replace him. He's basically
0: the entire front, hockey front office right now. <laughs> he's he's just one of those guys there, man. Like I'm actually surprised too because Yarmo and J D ran St Louis very well together, and then they had both gone to Columbus, and yeah. I, I was very surprised to see Yarmo actually make a play to go to the Rangers when J D went as well that would have been
1: interesting just in a sense of he's been successful but Gordon's a good GM like he did well in Boston he, he did well here like he's gonna land on his feet so mm-hmm. um, but I, I guess now it's time for the main event of the evening da, da, da. so the only thing that's gonna prevent us from making full on predictions is we don't know the winner of the Colorado game tonight so that kind of impacts things a little bit uh, but we're gonna make our best how do you want to handle it? Do you want to just make predictions as if the standings we have in front of us right now are the predictions? Are the yeah,
0: standings? Yeah, you want to go that way? We'll, we'll just push it out that yeah, way. Yeah,
1: okay. So before we get started, just a refresher. So four divisions, one plays four, two plays three, and then the winner of those two series plays each other. So it's... All division in division, play. yep. After that, the final four teams, so the winner of each division... Tournament basically gets reseeded based on their regular season point total one through four, and then one place four, two plays three, and then the last two teams standing play for the Stanley Cup final. So you could have two Eastern Conference teams playing each other in the Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. or two Canadian teams playing each other in the Stanley Cup. So it could be a, a funky year, um, which makes it I think a little even a little bit more exciting, uh, but. Let's start with the Canadian division. Wait, wait, hold on. Before we go there, okay. I, I
0: just want to touch this. So, beginning of the year, uh, the NHL stated that the Final Four, so the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final, were going to be back up north in the bubble. Now, this is my counteroffer. The U.S. is open, Canada is not. Now, with that, I do not see any way that this goes north of the border because the U.S. owners are now making some sort of money. There, There's people in the seats. There are asses in the seats. There is some sort of revenue coming in. There's absolutely no way the NHL is going back over the border. And one of those Canadian teams is probably going to be in the finals. What do you do, especially with this border crisis and everything else? I mean, are you moving... Toronto down to the States somewhere? Because I mean, if no one's going to be in the seats in Toronto, if, if you put them in fucking MSG and you can have it at 50% capacity, I think some people would come down for that. They're,
1: they're, so they haven't said anything official yet, but Scott Burnside has been on top of this for like the last few months. And apparently the plan is if the Canadian situation doesn't change, and it's not going so, to, whatever Canadian teams comes out of that division will be moved. To a neutral site in the states to play their quote unquote home game,
0: and I think that's fine I mean just like if it's Toronto for example why not have them play in Buffalo yeah like you got the people right across the border there you would definitely have the interest people would cr- well then the other thing is can they cross back and forth because Canada fucking locks you down like are they able to do that I don't know
1: no, so once they leave the U.S., uh, for the U.S., they're there until they're done.
0: No, no, I'm, I'm talking about actual fans, like fucking Maple Leaf fans. Like, they wouldn't even be able to jump the border because they, no, they wouldn't be able to. They'd, they'd get quarantined once they went back over. So, yeah. Yeah,
1: they wouldn't be able to. And I'm assuming, yeah, you said Buffalo for Toronto. If it's Edmonton or Winnipeg, I'm assuming they would play in Minnesota if Minnesota's not playing anymore, or probably Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Montreal, I'm sure
0: they would go to... Like, I could see, why not play him at MSG? Yeah, and, uh, that's what I'm saying. I mean, uh, at, at that point, right, where you can have people wherever you want, and if it comes to the NHL where this is strictly a revenue, like, revenue-based like revenue option or idea, Nashville's open if they're not in it. Dallas is open if they're not in it. Like, if you're going to do it, you, you make it a fucking madhouse. Like, you do it
1: dude if there's a team playing at the garden i'm going to the fucking games Uh, i'm there (laughs) but all right let's start with the canadian division uh the matchups are toronto versus montreal and edmonton versus winnipeg let's start toronto and montreal who you got and why
0: i want to say montreal here i i do uh Toronto's just going back to Freddie Anderson now, who just missed 23 straight games.
1: They're benching Campbell?
0: They're benching Campbell and they're riding Freddie. Um, oh boy, oh boy. I don't like that. For me, on just like a personal level, I think the Canadians are more than capable of stealing this from Toronto. But I just think this year Toronto's just too good. They're too good and they're too deep. In Unfortunately, I don't think Montreal is having the goaltending that we thought they would. I mean, if they had a healthy and good carry price in there, I'd, I'd bet the Canadians. But I, I just think Toronto's going to be able to come in and, and sneak one by here. It's not going to be an e- easy series by any means. I, I think Toronto in six.
1: Okay. Yeah, and Jake Allen's been a disappointment for Montreal, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going Toronto in five. I think it's going to be a little bit easier. They were probably expecting a little bit more of a bump after the Julianne firing, which hasn't occurred. They've kind of played even worse ever since Julian Julian left. So a lot of expectations for Montreal this year. I had them winning the division this year. But injuries and, like, this uneven – like, just something seems off. And I think Toronto's just buzzing. Um, so, buzzing for muzzin. Should make a shirt that says that. Uh, buzzin' us. <laughs> uh, so, I'm going Toronto in five. A little bit of a cakewalk. Um, then we have Edmonton versus Winnipeg.
0: I, I really love Winnipeg. I do. This is like the Montreal thing. But the one thing I can't get over is that Edmonton in this year's series is seven and one against Winnipeg. Mm. And I just do not think Winnipeg can overcome that. Uh, I like Winnipeg. I love Hellebuck and that. I think that advantage goes to them. I think the defensive thing goes to Winnipeg as well. But if there's one thing that we've seen this year, Connor, Connor can't be stopped. And I know the playoffs are a different level, but I just see a crash course of Matthews McDavid in round two. So, so I'm gonna go Winnipeg. I mean Edmonton in five. And
1: shout-out to Mike Smith, basically written off as a competent NHL goaltender. I know it's only a 56-game season, but coming in with the outstanding year this year. So, shout-out to him for fucking shitting people like me up. Um, I'm going Winnipeg in six. Okay. I don't know why, but... My gut usually helps me in playoff predictions, especially in the first round. These last two playoffs we've covered, I I think I've nailed the upsets for the, in every first round. And I just can't... Winnipeg has too much depth. I did D's okay. I feel like they're kind of evenly matched uh, with Edmonton. I like Hellebuck more in a seven-game series than Smith. I think, even though the year he had, I still can't truly trust him. And the thing that does it for me is when Connor McDavid is on the ice, Edmonton has the puck possession and expected goal output of the number one team in the entire league. When he is not on the ice, they're twenty eighth. Yeah, I remember and I, I said that Winnipeg to you. That's is a- gonna fucking roast everybody not name Conor McDavid, when they're on the ice. And I think that's where they win the series. Conor McDavid's going to get his 15 points in six games in this series. But I don't know if Edmonton has enough yet, enough just yet. Um, so that's going to be my first upset pick right there.
0: And, I mean, that's a fair assessment. I I don't have a rebuttal for that because <laughs> I could see it going that way. So.
1: And we'll move to the Discover Central Division. Uh, Carolina is playing Nashville, your boys in Town. And Florida is hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first ever All Florida playoff matchup.
0: Well, I am riding here. And this is going to surprise you. The Carolina Hurricanes. I I, <laughs> I like what they're cooking, I, I love bringing more there as a coach. Uh, Nashville has come on strong here as of late, so, so it's not going to be a pushover series. I just like Carolina, the, the team, the depth. Um, I think this is going to be their year to shine. They, they have a lot of those guys that aren't superstar level, but extremely capable of getting the job done. Like That Martin Nekos, like th- that guy's a fucking player. I still hey, don't like their goaltending. I, I don't like the goaltending, but I think it's enough to get them through the first round. I, yeah, I think they I think can exactly. get through there. I have Carolina in six. I'm going Nashville in
1: four. Now I'm I was well, like, <laughs> "Fuck! All right, lay that one on me,
2: pal." <laughs> no,
1: I'm going Carolina in four. Going for the clean sweep. Like it's just an uneven matchup. I'm a little sad that uh, Dallas just ran out of time. I feel like if they had like five more games, they would have caught up the
0: nashville and was dallas talking. was going full capacity too like
2: that exactly. place
1: would
0: have been rocking and covid really did him in because he had that
1: slow start which costed him cost him in the end
2: mm-hmm. but yeah
1: i'm going carolina and four clean sweep uh not much else to say other than what you said and just the storm is uh not going to be stopped in the first round this year um moving on to florida and tampa bay i think probably one of the most exciting matchups of the first round, especially with the games that were played in the last 10 days and the the anger and the physical play that we saw. I think this is going to be a fantastic series.
0: I agree. I, I got this one going seven, and this may surprise you. I'm riding the Panthers. Um, I I hope John Cooper doesn't hear this because I love Coop. <laughs> um, I, I just like with what Florida's cooking with. The, the whole team is giving them something. I know Tampa Bay said that uh, Kucherov and Stamkos are expected to be in Game 1. And Hypeman and McDonough. I think that's a huge boost for them. I just think that Florida has been doing it all year, surprising a lot of people. Their game is not going to change. They're going to play that same style, that same play. And I think one of the biggest things, too, was that game last week, they got into that fight and... It seemed like Tampa was a beat-up team. Where where last year, you saw Tampa in the playoffs and around that time of the year, and they had, you know, Patty Maroon, Goudreau, Coleman. Coleman, They had these guys kind of just going around doing whatever they wanted, and you you just saw a sea of red coming over and blanketing the Lightning. And I, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Vasilevsky's the best goalie in the league. Yeah. That's why... Uh, This is going seven. And I think game seven, this is crazy to say, is which Bobrovsky is going to show up? That's that's the question.
1: So that's my thing. The only reason why he's getting even the game one start is because of his contract. He does not deserve to start a fucking playoff game right now.
0: Oh, no, I mean, that leash is going to be tight. That that Dregger behind him, I mean, th- they'll put him in quick.
1: I feel like he should get to start from the the bat. I think he's earned it this year. And if you go to Bobrovsky, that's going to... You can't cost yourself one game in a series like this. And the difference in play between the two goalies this year could cost them a game.
0: And uh, one question I have for you when you look at uh, this matchup is you look at the coaching resumes and I mean, they both have yeah. Stanley Cup rings. Does this come down to coaching? Like, is this just one of the end, like, Coach Q versus Cooper?
1: Yeah, no way. I think when it comes to special teams, uh, special teams especially, to me, it comes, the real, two deciding factors for me are goaltending of Florida who is in the net and is Tampa actually healthy? Hedman, and I don't think they are. Hedman basically alluded to the fact that he's putting off a major surgery because it's playoff time. McDonough always hurt this time of year. He's a fucking warrior, but he gets beat up throughout the year. Kucherov, yeah, it's Nikita Kucherov, but he hasn't played a single game all year. Mm-hmm. Well, even if he has a slow start and comes up in games four through seven, those first three games might be enough to turn the series. And Stamkos, I feel like he's due for another surgery on his core injury that I had last year. Are they healthy or not? I don't think now, so. Now, Tampa Bay, despite all those guys being out and dealing with injuries and everything else, they still finished, they were in the hunt for the division title against a red-hot team in Carolina till the very end. Mm-hmm. Despite all of that. So, despite I would really love to jump on the revenge tour of Carter Verhage here, but I can't. Dish I would lo- I w- I'm rooting for Florida, but I'm picking Tampa Bay in seven. Okay. I, w- I want. to be wrong in this series because I love. I just the fact that they let guys walk like Dad and off in the off season and Hoff and everybody left them for dead. And they made the smart move to take guys on a cheap, like for Hagee and Duclair. And Barkov basically turned them into first-line forwards because of the year he had. They lost Ekblad, and then you had uh, Uyghur step up and turn himself into a number one D. Like, I just love the development of the team, and I want them to win. I just don't think they can do it just yet, which is a shame because if they are moving Barkov in the offseason, it's basically this is the year for them to make any type of run. Right,
0: yeah, I, I'm excited for this one. Like, this one's probably... I'd say, that's yeah, I'm watching that's, every game. That, that's the one. That's the one for me.
1: Yeah. Um, we'll move to the Honda West Division. Again, at the time of this recording, we don't know the result of the Colorado game. Uh, so it could be Colorado versus St. Louis, or it could stay Vegas versus St. Louis in the first round for one through four. We're, gonna, we're making these predictions with as Vegas in the number one spot. If Colorado wins tonight, we'll post on Facebook our alternating predictions there. But right now, Vegas versus St. Louis, who you got?
0: I got Vegas, man. That, that big gold machine is rolling. I, I just like the way they've been playing. I, I know St. Louis ended up out-dueling um, Arizona to make it into that last spot, but I, I still don't think St. Louis has played their best hockey they're like yeah. I just don't see them coming in and being able to overtake Vegas. I just think Vegas is too big, too strong, and I think Flower has been playing exceptional in net. So uh, I'm rolling with Vegas on this one.
1: Do you think Pittsburgh regrets not pushing harder for a flurry last offseason? Because if they did and they had not playing this way, they'd be cup favorites. Yeah. Kind of cool here like
0: yeah, I, I'd agree with that. It's it, it's weird how uh, these things can change. Absolutely. Goaltenders, man. Um, I agree, though. I'm going
1: to Vegas in five. I think St. Louis, if you take away the name and you just look at the production they had this year as a team and then individually, the only reason why some some people out there are saying it oh, all. Upset alert going to St. Louis is because of the reputation of the guys on the team and not the actual team this year. Um, I don't think they're going to be pushed around by Vegas, but I don't think they're going to be able to keep up this year. I think St. Louis, in a weird way, would benefit from an early exit. A longer offseason. Have a long summer, get healthy, figure things out. They'll be back next year. I, Um, I like that. Colorado, Minnesota... I'll go first in this one. I know I kind of hinted at this before we started going. I'm going
0: Minnesota in seven. I See, like, I I like (laughs) the way the Wild have been playing. I'm not denying that. And I, I had already told you my feelings as well as to, I think since the COVID has hit the avalanche, I still think that's the biggest question mark because of, the way all the teams have been. Granted, Colorado has been playing very well, even though they have had players diagnosed in and in out of the lineup, and it seems like they're finally back. But I, I, I just have to go with the Avalanche here. My, my gut is just telling me that it is going to be Colorado and Vegas in round two, and it is going to be like like just hockey you can't miss. Like I, I just find that being, uh, yet again, I mean, you've got Minnesota in seven, so maybe it will be a different Series. I'm just saying. I just have that second round matchup as the matchup of the century. Like, Let me
1: put it to you this way: my confidence level in my Minnesota and seven over Colorado pick is about fifteen percent. But if it was Vegas versus Minnesota, I'm fairly confident in a Minnesota upset.
0: So yeah. you you think Minnesota either way?
1: I think Minnesota either way, and the only reason why throw out the stats, throw out the analytics. It's Cam Talbot, baby.
0: <laughs> just roll with Cambo, okay.
1: No, so I just think Colorado, obviously, like, they're an elite team. Another team that I don't think I can trust their goaltending enough, I'm not saying that Minnesota has a huge advantage in there, but I think they have a little bit more stability in goal. But Minnesota is the one of the few teams that can neutralize or at least come close to neutralizing Colorado's edge on the back end with the guys that they have. So I think that takes away a little bit of the advantage Colorado usually has over every other team in the league. And then the questions and goal, for me, make it where it's almost a toss-up. And at that point, the pressure's all on Colorado. I don't know the makeup in the room. I don't know what the intangibles like. But when you're an underdog, you're playing with house money in a game seven on the road, I'm rolling with that. And that's fair,
0: but, I mean, you don't think just certain difference makers that Colorado has between McKinnon, Landeskog, and McCarr that they just can't take over the series? I mean, McKinnon's going to get his, McCarr's going to get his.
1: I'm not as high on Landeskog as I used to be. I'll put it that way. Okay. Um, it's kind of like my thoughts on McDavid. Like, he's going to get his, but, yeah, I I love Colorado, so I'm picking Minnesota in 7 over Colorado. If it's Minnesota versus Vegas, I'm going Minnesota in 6 on that one. Wow, okay. Yeah, so I don't trust Vegas. I know they have great goaltending. I think their photo group is atrocious when it comes to depth time for a long games, for a long series. I don't think they're built for the long run here. I think they had a good regular season, a great regular season. I don't trust them in
0: for a deep playoff run. So what you're saying is that Minnesota's winning the cup? Uh, no <laughs> right. I, I was um, trying to put words in your mouth but alright
1: uh, we'll finish up with your boys at uh, the Mass Mutual East Division Tournament Pittsburgh's playing the Islanders Washington is playing the Bruins quite the turnaround for your boys after almost being left for dead heading into the deadline there um, that whole edition who would have thought that Taylor Hall would play well on a good team that's weird uh, but here you got Pittsburgh versus the Islanders another matchup I think is going to be really fun to watch so,
0: Pittsburgh is absolutely rolling right now. And that's what is swaying me a certain way. But I'm going with the Islanders here. I, I just I like the system. I know they haven't been playing their best hockey. But I just think that I like this team. They, they proved it last year that they can get it done, especially against the Penguins. So, I, I'm going with the Islanders in seven. I'm going with the Islanders as well.
1: Uh, another upset take by your boy who would have thought the deciding factor for me besides the system, even though I think Sullivan is a great coach for Lomoff... I do love Sully. <laughs> crazy good this year. hmm And I think that's the deciding factor. Casey DeSmith, Trish and Drury, like get out of my face. Like you're not cutting it from me. If they had if they had flurry and goal I'd be riding with Pittsburgh, but I'm going to Islanders in
0: You know what? I'm going I'm going to Islanders in five. And one thing too about the Islanders is they are definitely a uh they're they're a rough and rowdy team. And I think that this time of the year accounts for something. I mean, that fourth line yeah. last year was great. The Martin, Sezikis, and Clutterbuck. Yeah. And it, it's hard for me to think that those guys are just going to stop. They were definitely uh, pushing the pace for that team. They kind of followed their lead. So,
1: well, we'll wrap up with the crown jewel of the first round. The Boston Bruins playing the Washington Capitals.
0: Who you got? See, th- th- this one has me fucked up, and not just because I'm a homer. I, I just think that there's so many variables within this specific matchup. Um, I think top nine for both teams are very evenly matched right now.
1: Who's next off back out of COVID for the second time this year? The fucking idiot. He's back, but they haven't been playing him okay yeah like he's gonna he's gonna get moved in the offseason i feel like they're it, done it, with his shit
0: they're done with his shit and they're not liking fucking Samsonov either because those two russians have been together and that's like the second time they've gotten caught up in this thing
1: that makes me happy
0: because everybody kept saying like who's better shesterkin or Samsonov?" well i think you have your answer so for me our goaltending blows theirs away uh I feel that our D are pretty evenly matched both ways, and so are our forward group. So I get scared with Washington because, like, we, we've been playing really well. Like, we're playing our game. We're being extremely effective. Our second line, it's not like we're in years past where if you shut down our first line, you got to hope for yeah. the second line. We're having that depth, which is great. It, it makes you a lot more confident at the we same time, real though, real line now. we have a real line, and the only thing for me now is Washington is a bigger team than us, and they're a lot meaner than we are. And for me, I can see Washington coming in and bullying their way to a series win. Like, I can see them doing that. Now, another part of it could also be, is Tom Wilson going to be that guy? Is our offense going to come through and flourish? We have some mean, but not as much mean. I. I'm going Washington and seven. All right. I mean,
1: you've been doing it all year, underestimating your boys. Maybe you just keep that going. Yeah, I'm going to be like the year they won the <laughs> Cup with Felger. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh. You hinted at it. My intangible factor in the series is which Bruins player is going to be knocked out of the remainder of the series by Tom Wilson?
0: Yep.
1: Is it going to be Bergeron for another concussion? Is it going to be Creechy? Is it going to be McAvoy? Because Wilson's going to do something fucking retarded.
0: Are are they going to dump the puck into Carlo's corner and then fucking Carlo's going to shit his pants when he sees Willie coming and that's it? So... Usually that would be said tongue in cheek, but it's not with a guy like Wilson.
1: Now, everybody healthy. I'm going Boston and six. I think you guys are rolling. I think you guys are coming together at the right time while Washington is
0: kind of struggling a little bit. And Washington's beat up too. Like they're they're having just Ovi's coming back from injury. Like Willie just got hurt. Carlson's coming back. So it's like I, I don't know which Washington team is there. But just for playoff hockey and what it brings into this time of the year as to what can win you a series I just think the bulliness factor makes Washington better than us
1: okay yeah I mean I could see it going either way I think this is in relation to being evenly matched or like the odds of the series going for either team I think this is the closest one Um, I'm just riding a team that's been there done that I know Washington's won a cup but you have guys that's been doing it for a decade um, and the better goaltending. So that's why I'm going with you guys. Um, I will say if Wilson does something and takes out a guy like Bergeron, it's going to be a fucking riot.
0: And I would hope so. And I mean, another thing too with Washington on this one is and, and now they have uh, the big fella back there, Zidane O'Chara. So yeah. I, I want to see uh, his playoff performance. his mouth to him. Yeah, I mean, I just want to see what's going to happen with him back there for this one. Obviously, you know, not everyone's going to be friends this time of the year. That's that's common sense. But I just want to see how nasty it actually gets. That, that's what I want.
1: I will say, I know we'll do this for each round as we move forward. Um, I'm going to make a quick, no notes in front of me, no extreme thought. Put into it yet. My prediction for the final four teams that will play basically for like the conference championships. I'm going to go Boston. It's going to come out of your division. Tampa. It's going to come out of their division. Uh, I guess Vegas, if I'm having Colorado knocked off, I think Vegas out of theirs and Winnipeg out of the Canadian division. I, I like
0: Winnipeg. That that hurts. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Florida, Toronto, <sighs> Florida, Toronto, Vegas, and Washington. Washington,
1: huh? All
0: right. Yeah. Um... What was the
1: other thing we wanted to discuss today? Was it, oh yeah, the uh, lock of the week? Let me pull that up. Kill some time as I pull my my spreadsheet here.
0: Uh, Do do you have any shout outs this week? I mean, we could do that while you're looking for that. Yeah, shout outs this week. Um, Who am I shouting out this week? Kobe. Yeah, Kobe, of course. Cray Cray Kobe is what I call her did she just walk over I'm sorry I didn't mean to do that
1: <laughs> uh, no she's in the other room um, she's learned a new trick of I call it a Cobra where I'll put my hands on the floor and then I'll raise them up towards my head and then she'll mimic it and she'll balance on her hind legs and put her paws next to the sides, each side of her head <laughs> um, so I call that the Cobra um, alright who do you have for shout outs
0: shout outs this week um, I I gotta be honest I, I miss my strat daddy I, I, I would like to see him this week but I am home with the kids for the next couple of days because uh, Big Red is away at a bachelorette party so holding down the fort with the animals so that should be fun so I, I miss her already but uh th- th- that's all I got for this week we'll, we'll see where it goes alright I have it in
1: front of me so we ended up with 16 locks of the week just because of
0: uh, recordings and all that.
1: Yeah. yeah, like sometimes we recorded at the end of a week and things like whatever. So we ended up with 16. I finished 11 and five. Kevin finished 12 and four. Bang
0: bang, one game difference.
1: <laughs> so. That means I owe you a second dinner.
0: Oh, I I love dinner, too. I mean, dinner's a good thing.
1: Anywhere of your choosing in Boston. When I come up, because next season, I'm buying us a ticket to a Bruins game in Boston. We'll go out to dinner before then. And then I'm buying us a ticket to a Ranger game in New York, and I'll get you dinner before that Ranger game.
0: Well, that'll probably be a Sunday afternoon, so you can just buy me dinner Saturday night. We'll we'll call it a wash. That that sounds <laughs> good to me. Maybe we can do
1: a uh Rangers Ottawa game, so you wear your Ottawa shit.
0: I love it. No, we should do too. If we do it on a Saturday, we'll bring Mister Murph, and we'll have him pay the tab, so we win. <laughs> it's a it's a win win situation, pal. Don't spill the secret. Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. So another close year. Not as bad as last year when I started off 0-8 and ma- tried to make a run for it at the end. But you know. Yeah, you had a tough goal last year. <laughs> tough start coming out of the gates. Uh, but yeah, so congrats to you, you little fuck. Um, but yeah, another regular season pretty much wrapped up in the books. We got the playoffs coming, and I'm kind of... I think these are some really good first-round matchups. Usually you have a bunch of sweeps and a couple of ga- five gamers, but I the way the form- playoffs are formatted, you're going to have a bunch of At least six games, I see a couple seven-gamers on our hands.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm actually surprised in myself, too. I usually pick a lot more underdogs, but I'm just riding with some certain guys this year. That's all.
1: And the last thing I want to say, I'm going to put out there once again, just if words matter,
0: please hire Todd Richards. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening, Mr. Jerry. I know you listened this whole hour and six minutes of this, so thank you for getting here. And just remember, M- Mr. Richards is out there, man. But everybody, thank you as always. Um, we're gonna figure out exactly what we're gonna do. Whether we'll do a uh, mid-round series, kind of see what's going on, or if we're just gonna end up come back and do a second round series prediction, and we're gonna go from there. So as for everybody, if you want. Um, I'll have Benny set it up again of our uh, postseason tournament bracket. And uh, we can do a t-shirt or a hat or something like that for all the fans out there. Or a lap dance. That's it. (laughs) So, thank you, everybody. And um, just remember, at the end of the day, Nick Lorenzo is still a Civ. Bye-bye.
2: I've got another confession to